Claptrap, Episode 18, Equestrianism. everyone welcome to this week's show i got an announcement to make guess who's back back again tell a friend josh is back josh is back josh is back yeah josh is back after a couple week absence being on business and out there making money josh is back so the whole claptrap duo is back together again for this week's episode the third mic is occupied by our guest alexa sisla Alexis and I go way back. I've known her for pretty much my entire life, and we had her on because she has a pretty unique hobby, that being equestrianism. For those of you who don't know, equestrianism, it's a Scrabble word, and it's just everything to do with horses, so the training, the showing, the riding. Alexis has pretty much done all of that. She's even done a little bit of rodeo. She was at the University of Finley. She was on their equestrianism team for four years, and now she's still working in that industry, and I thought it would be great to have her on to talk kind of all things horses, everything from horse racing all the way down to how the heck you take care of these things. So she's basically a cowgirl is what I'm trying to say. So with that, let's give it up for Alexis Sisla. Alexis, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. We finally have a real cowgirl now, Kyle, on our on our show. That's right. Absolutely. So Alexis, you used to be on the University of Finley's equestrian team. Can you explain what that is? So Finley kind of has their like equestrian programs and teams broken up into Western versus English. So we always say that the English people are all the pretty people, that they do it and they stay clean somehow and they wear white clothes. Western people is kind of like the stuff that you see on TV, like Yellowstone. They ride Western. So all of the cow horse events was kind of more of the Western team that I was on. We also had one that was still some pretty shiny clothes, pretty riding and stuff like that. But I was on the cow horse team. So you don't mind getting your hands dirty? Uh, pretty much. Sitting in the cow barn currently. So in a lot of cobwebs. It'll be all right, though. See, everyone, on Claptrap, we strive for authenticity. We're coming live from the cow barn right now. The wild, wild west, except you're on the east coast. I mean, I'm in Alabama, so that's a little bit more Western. So why did you choose to do the Western style of riding versus the English? I guess I just liked it. I kind of, I grew up riding that way anyways. I rodeoed some through growing up. And then, yeah, once I went to Finley, I found cow horse and I really liked it. And I've always liked cattle. So it just kind of fit. It meshed my two favorite things. Rodeo. Wow, that's, that's hardcore. What are we talking? Are we talking barrel racing, bronco busting, roping? What kind of stuff did you get into? A little bit of barrel racing, some pole bending, a little bit of roping. And that was about the extent of that. I really didn't show much. Honestly, I felt like I showed like a lot of other animals before I showed horses. So in your shows, you learned how to like actually do like the lassos and everything? Oh, yes. Oh, that is awesome. That is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> We still do that. We had to rope some steers tonight because they didn't want to go into their pen. So it's all sorts of fun. I tried to rope something once. That did not go over well. 
what kind of shocked me about it was the rope was, is very stiff, which I would have thought it would have been more bendy. Oh, yeah. One of the ones that we used tonight, we that's what we kept saying, was that it was like a lint noodle. You couldn't do anything with it. It was totally useless. So how many people are typically on the equestrian team with you? And do you compete singularly? Are there, like, different positions that you can have? Or do you compete, like, singularly, but then you, you're competing and racking up points for the same team? There are some. So, like, we had, like, a team penning class. So that you've got a teammate for. I think that we had maybe 18 people total on the team. So, but, yes, you do compete individually. And we all competed in different classes. So the way that Finley had it was some classes were for juniors and seniors because they required a little bit more skill and a little bit more practice and a higher quality of horse. So we reserved those for older students that had been on the team longer. But really most of them, though, like there were certain classes that they pretty much required us all that we had to compete and show in. But really, it was at your discretion. And I mean, we hosted a lot of shows, so it was really easy to get people to show a lot. We every once in a while would travel to some shows and those would be a little bit more limited, but still showing by yourself. And I mean, you would show against people, but we never really did anything where we like our points compiled together as a team. So then how do you actually compile points? Like, is there like style points, like wear an awesome outfit and like <laughs> look really cool? Like I said, like I look like a badass. I was able to just rope that like, oh, hell yeah. Or is it more like actually following? Like, is there a guideline that? you have to follow during these competitions yeah like you've got judges so you get scored so it's different from rodeo in that way that it's not really like team penning's timed and sorting is timed and roping is timed but everything else like the cutting and the reining and all that all of that is a judge's score so that's they would compile those scores then so are we talking like scores out of like 100 if there's a certain if there's a time limit on something is there a standard unit of like deduction based on how long you take you know deducted from your total score I'm guessing I guess that this is what makes horse people annoying and confusing nothing standard yeah exactly like the cutting (laughs) is like a score from 60 to 80 and the median is 70 so everyone starts at a 70 and you can I mean you can get a zero in it there's certain things that you can do that will make you get a zero but mm-hmm. like the raining, though, the raining's different. The raining, you started a 70, but I mean, your scores can range much different. And then if you have multiple judges, then your score will be like triple or quadruple what a 70 would be. So, yeah, it pretty much it just depends on it. And that's what I mean. There's like pluses and minuses is the way that they do our judges cards. So like if you did something with a lot of style and they liked how it looked, then they'll plus you if you did it. But you looked like you were riding a donkey, a three legged donkey, while you're doing it. Then, yeah, they're going to minus you and be like, uh, nope, try again. So it just depends. And that's what I mean. It's a typical judge sport where it's you've got to be able to do it and please the judge. And every judge likes something different, too. So, you got a story that you can tell us about a time that you scored either really highly or poorly? Something to share? So, what I do now predominantly are cutting horses. If you like Google it or anything like that, it's where you go into a herd of cattle on your horse and you separate out or cut one cow out of the herd. And this is like one hand on the reins, 
And so once you get your cow pushed out from the herd, you actually put your hand down on the horse's neck and you can't pick it back up until you're like done cutting that cow. So your horse actually works its way back and forth across the pen, keeping that cow away from the herd, which if you know anything about cattle, they're herd animals and they want to make it back to the herd. So that's what I show in right now. And the very first time that I was ever allowed to show in it, I'd shown like some horses that I had trained in like a different class where it wasn't quite as competitive, but I went to go and work for a trainer in out Northern Alabama and a client of his came up to me one day and was like, Hey, you work really hard and we're going to let you show our horse. And I was like, Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Like I was overjoyed and I was so darn nervous. I was like shaking the entire way down and I didn't even have like my own chaps with me at the show. I had to borrow someone's. So, but I went down there though, and that horse is just super cool. And I had never even like worked him on a cow or anything before and went down there and I marked a 74 on him. And that's still like, we've marked several other 74s. They've let me show that horse several times, but yeah, that was super cool. That was a super memorable moment, especially being my like first time showing him. We like won the class even that day. It was super exciting. So what kind of horses are you typically using? You're not using like a Clydesdale or a Shetland pony or anything like that, right? These are all quarter horses. I've ridden some horses for some people that are not quarter horses, but yeah, predominantly we use quarter horses or paint horses. So the real pretty horses, everyone thinks that they like, but they're kind of crazy. Every once in a while, we've got one of those thrown in, but predominantly it's like the old Indian style horse that's just nice and stocky built. I got a movie coming to my mind. I'm thinking of Spirit. I knew that that was going to (laughs) come. It's such a natural one, but it's such a great movie. Yes, but it is that kind of a horse, though. We've got several like that. What is a quarter horse? I know nothing about horses, so you're going to have to go back to basics here for me. So the association that quarter horses are all registered through is called American Quarter Horse Association. So we always say that, like, it's America's horse. Like, it's a very, very versatile horse. So pretty much any, like, speed or agility or athletic event and, like, using horses, like, on farms if they've got horses. Typically, they're quarter horses in some way, shape, or form. I mean, it's kind of like dogs where you've got mutts. So I always kind of compare, like, the American quarter horse to, like, labs, like, that's kind of like the family hood dog is that everyone's got a lab. So it's kind of like most people that have horses have quarter horses. And then the racehorse is like the greyhounds, right? Yeah. So <laughs> racehorses are typically thoroughbreds or quarter horses. So what kind of stuff do you have to wear for the competition? Do you get to throw on a cowboy hat or are you looking more like Mary Kate Nashley with the helmet and the white pants and things like that? The polo player. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, polo is actually pretty cool. Don't knock it till you try. No, I, really I would fun. love to play it, but I would surely fall off my horse. <laughs> I have a really good friend that does it. And I mean, like she's played all over the world. Like she used to play on the USA team. She's super awesome and she is wicked good at it. And I mean, she is tough. Them ladies are very tough and the men that play there are super tough. But for cutting anyways, though, for the apparel. So we're required to wear a button up shirt with a collar. So like a typical Western shirt, and then you're required to wear a Western hat, and then you're required to wear boots and jeans, and typically spurs run along with that. Most of us don't really ride without them because we value our leg strength, but spurs are definitely a good addition. And then to show, typically chaps are the outfit of choice. They are not required, though. 
and the biggest belt buckle you can find, right? Oh, yes. Hey, they give out some good-sized ones of those. They're getting a little bit more controlled on them, but they put all sorts of jewels and stuff like that on them still. Yeah, I remember that was like a phase in like American pop culture a couple of years back, and I was like, you guys aren't in like the right thing. This is like for horse people. <laughs> and I just remember like seeing those, those ginormous belt buckles guys would wear to act like they were country. I'm like, you guys look ridiculous, <laughs> but it makes more sense if you're actually doing it. <laughs> there are still people like that. I promise you. If it's not bigger than a dinner plate, it's not big enough. If you bend over, I don't care. Like how skinny your fat you are, that's going to like be big in India. So what all goes into training a horse? I'm sure it's a lot. Can you maybe go from the beginning and work us through the entire process? Do like people still try to break wild horses and raise them from colts or something like that? People still break Mustangs. That is a very big thing. There's actually a thing called the Extreme Mustang Challenge. And a lot of like boys ranches and stuff like that will still do Mustangs as like a character building that they'll break out Mustangs. Uh, I don't know why, but that seems to be where that always leads. But, like, generally, like, the guy that I'm here in Alabama working for currently, that's, and this is my third job, anyways. But, so, he's a two-year-old guy is what we call him. So, typically, performance horses we break out as two-year-olds. So, most of these are ones that, like, someone had a mare, so a mom. A mare is what we call them, though, is a female. So, they had a mare that they really liked, and then they picked a stud that they wanted to go and breed them to, and then they've raised up this baby. And they've either someone's bought it along the way, or this is theirs, and they picked a trainer that they wanted to send it to, and they think that this is awesome. So, the guy that I work for, he gets in a ton of two-year-olds. Like, I think that we've got a dozen two-year-olds right now. So, he starts them all. So, that's, like, from the first time running your hands on them, some of them come in and we literally back up a trailer to a round pen or a stall or a pasture or something, and we just turn them loose because no one's ever even put a halter on their head. We get other ones in, though, that have been groomed, and the owners probably tried to throw up a pad and a saddle on it, and it's probably gotten left in the dirt because they did it way too fast and they, like, ran at them. What age... Can you actually throw a saddle on? Some people do it whenever they're yearlings, which is a year old. It pretty much just depends on how big they are. Like sometimes we don't even start them whenever they're two. If they're really little, we'll wait till they're three. It really just depends on size. And quarter horse is typically two years old. They're pretty strong. They can pack around like a typical size person. So that's pretty much where we start. But yeah, we just get started from there. Someone will climb on them and the guy that I work for, he does it very well, and he keeps them pretty calm, and we haven't had any wrecks. So we'll keep on trucking along that way. But he typically rides them throughout their two-year-old year. His wife and I will start getting on them whenever they turn three, and we'll start riding them around because cutting horses and most performance-age horses, you'll start showing them late in their three-year-old year and for sure early in their four-year-old year. So he's like a horse whisperer then. Kind of, so to speak, yeah. He definitely gets that understanding going on. Every once in a while, there's some physical understanding more than just horse whispering. But, I mean, if you've been around horse training at all, anyone who has, you know, that's kind of how it goes. They're a 1,200-pound animal. They can't run over top of you, and they need to have that understanding. Yeah, I don't don't trust anything that's bigger than me. Actually, like, some are really gentle. Like, they've got a seven-year-old boy, and honestly, it's amazing. Some of the horses that we think are crazy and that are going to hurt someone, we'll hand them off to him, or like, because a few of them really do like him. And I've always believed that horses gentle around children. 
But I mean, she's two and she's about as crazy and as wild as they come. But if he tries to lead her around the barn, she puts her head right down by his shoulder, lets him do anything and just puppy dogs around with him. I think the only time I would be nervous is like cleaning like the horseshoes or like putting on new ones or something like that. Man, if you get kicked, that's just a whole bunch of muscle ready to knock you out. Failure is not a fun job. I would not imagine at all. Your back would kill you. You get kicked all the time and bit. Yeah, not fun. Wait, horses bite people? I knew they like kicked people or trampled them, but I didn't know biting was a thing. There are some that just like to bite. Like we've got a four-year-old right now in the barn that like it's hereditary too most of the time. Like so we call it critting whenever they like bite on fences or walls or stuff like that. They'll like chew on it. That's called cribbing, and that one's definitely hereditary, but sometimes, like, horses that want to kind of, like, nibble on you all the time or nibble on stuff that's in front of them. Like, we've got a four-year-old right now that, like, her mom did, every baby that they've ever had out of her. Like, if you walk up by them, they'll try and act, like, real sweet. Like, they're just going to come up and, like, lay their chin on you. Uh, No, beware, because they are trying to be sweet just so that they can get you close and bite you. Wow, that's crazy. I did I don't even know what I would do if I got bit by a horse. Do you think you could maybe explain what all the different pieces of equipment do? Everyone talks about bareback riding like that's some big accomplishment. What does a saddle do? What do the reins do? What do the stirrups do? Can you go through that kind of stuff? So a saddle is what you sit in. It keeps you on the horse. There's a, well, I guess that's kind of always been popular. That People think that it's really cool to ride barebacks, but I'm like, okay, let's see whenever that horse like jumps up in there and spins around. Let's see how well you stay on. So a saddle keeps you on. So I ride Western. So that's the ones that they have like a horn that comes up in front of you. And plus the saddle comes back up again behind you. But yeah, that's your saddle. It's got, they're called fenders, which is like the leather piece that goes out of the center of the saddle down your side that your leg rests up against. And then that's what holds your stirrups on. So your stirrups are where your feet go, kind of gives you something to kind of push off of too while you're riding and kind of keep your balance there. Your reins are what connects to the bit, which the bit's the mouthpiece that goes in the horse's mouth. Your bridle's what keeps the mouthpiece on the horse or the bit on the horse. Your reins control that bit. So if you pull on the left rein, it pulls on the left side of the bit. You pull on the right side, same thing. You pull on both. Normally they'll give their face and put their head towards the ground at least a little bit. Some bad ones don't really do that. But I mean, I guess that that's like they wear boots just like dirt bike riders wear like protective boots. We've got like boots that put on their legs and you can wrap their legs and all that fun stuff. But that's kind of the main gist of the equipment for us at least. So the bit, they just feel that pressure in their mouth and then they know to turn left or right. It's a combination. Like, it's really funny. Like, I've always loved teaching lessons to people whenever I lived in Ohio. And it's really funny to watch people who have never been on a horse because they'll just like some really good horses. Like, you can just pull on the left rein and they'll turn left. But like, wide majority of horses in the world, like, if you just pull on the left rein, like, they're just going to give their face over to the left side and like not know what to do. So like, generally like if you go to ride a horse like if you want it to turn left you pull left and you use your right leg because horses move away from pressure so that right leg is going to push them off to the left and make their whole body go and not just their head try and like bend around or do something stupid so 
And then if you want to go to the right, you pull right and you use your left leg to push them over that way. So you got to turn on your turn signal and give them a little gas. Exactly. Ask, tell, make. I remember someone telling me that a long time ago for horses, and it's very true. I'm going to ask you nicely. I'm going to use my hand. I'm going to tell you with my leg, and if you don't go, I'm going to kick you with that leg then. How long does it take to typically train a horse before it's ready to take it to a show or competition? Like cutting horses, for instance, you basically have two years to train them before they get to a competition because it's going to be either late in their three-year-old or early in their four-year-old. That's kind of generally like race horses. They'll get raced as two-year-olds. So it's about a year because they'll get on them about halfway through their first year. And then about halfway through their second year of life, then that's whenever they'll start competing on them. So it really just kind of depends on the discipline, but generally at least two years of training. And that's for good horses. Like some horses don't come along. I just owned one that I showed him whenever he was five. So he took three years of training before he could go and be shown and be good at it. And then how long is the horse's competition life before they get too old and they have to retire? So that one that I said about me showing, he was 15. I know lots of people that have cutting horses that are 20 and 22. There's other ones. I've got a three-year-old right now that her mom stopped showing at the age of five. So it just really honestly depends. There's some that, yeah, they're like, 28 29 and they're still showing and then there's other ones that show as a three-year-old and get crippled and never show ever again so it just depends it's kind of one of those good luck bad luck things too ignorant question here how long do horses live i know of some and i mean this is like freak age but i know of some that have been like 40 43 25 i would say is kind of average just depends. I mean, like, I, it's kind of like people. I mean, you got to take care of them. They get bad joints. They get weakening bones and weakening muscles and such. So, I mean, if they keep on eating and their body stays healthy and their mind is still kind of there, they can keep on going. Healthy as a horse, right? Well, I can promise you that is the most untrue saying. <laughs> what do you feed a horse to keep it on a well-balanced diet? The most general thing is that you feed them grain, which has a combination of like starches and sugars and fiber and protein in it, kind of like our diet. It's got to be balanced. And then horses also need a forage component, similar to most livestock. So they eat hay. Fat horses, we give grass hay. Skinnier horses, we give lots of alfalfa. Alfalfa is a little bit higher in protein for them. That's pretty much the general consensus. A wide thing lately has been that people are switching over to just feeding alfalfa cubes. Some will top dress it with some sort of like a mineral supplement that kind of balances out with alfalfa well, or else they'll do like a small scoop of grain on it. Oats for your grain or combination of like, like soybean meal or something with more protein for the horses? It's typically like a rolled pellet. So yeah, oh, okay. it's got a little bit more protein in it, some molasses kind yep. of just a general mixture most people don't feed oats that's kind of like an old farmer's thing anymore we used to have just horses at our farm that was just for care like a carriage and that's always the only grain they fed them oh yeah like sweet feed and that sort yep. of stuff a lot of people still feed whenever they just have them at their own house do they actually really like apples or is that just a movie thing some do and some horses don't eat anything out of your hands it's kind of like dogs like if you never ever feed yeah. them from your hand then they don't really want to like take it and eat it and horses are kind of the same way like if they never ever knew someone feeding them out of their hand then they're not going to really take anything out of your hand 
Do you have a favorite horse that you've worked with from over the years? Horse, his name was Cooper, and he was darn good. I actually just sold him in September. I had had a majority of his life. I started him myself, and I showed him a lot, and I that horse moved all over the country with me. But he was pretty cool. Like, my mom, if you ask her, she's still mad at me that I sold him. There's a lot of people that are mad at me that I sold him. But he's got a really good home. He's living in Arizona now. But he was a very special horse. I liked him. Yeah, he got a chance to retire around the sunshine. He's not quite retired. They're still showing him. He's oh, yeah? six now. But yeah, the people that have him are doing really well. They've won a lot of money in the sorting pen on him. I showed him as just about everything. I showed him in the rain cow horse, the raining, the cutting, almost all ranch horse events. You could rope off of him. He did just about everything. I had little kids that used to ride him. He was super cool. Have you ridden anything other than a horse? Cow, donkey, mule, ostrich, camel, anything like that? We've ridden donkeys, we've ridden burros, we've ridden cows, pigs, lots of things. <laughs> Not quite as functionally as what a horse is, though. I actually, I took a trip to Wyoming this summer. I did like a backcountry, like riding trip, which I totally, because I ride every day, I was like, this is going to be stupid. It's going to be pretty, but it's going to be so stupid. But it was actually really cool if you ever get the chance to do that, totally do that. Because I mean, we rode, like actually had to ride, like you were riding up in some mountains and it was really cool. But so the people that like did our trip, it was really cool because they actually like break mules and not just to be like pack mules. Like they did have a lot of pack mules out on our trip because we had to pack us all in for four days and all of our food and tents and all that sort of stuff. But they actually like rode the mules and it was pretty darn cool. And I was asking them about them. They're incredibly intelligent, like super intelligent. Like if you can get past their stubbornness, they are super smart. Like Good horses, we always say that, like, you can pull on them once and then they will remember the next time. They're like, I don't want pulled on, so I'm just going to do it. Well, mules, they were saying, are the same way as a really good horse. So that was actually pretty interesting to me because, I mean, I've tried to hop on some, like, out in the pasture and it's not quite ended in my favor. And it hasn't been super fun as what we thought that it was whenever we were laughing looking at the idea. But, yeah, mules are actually pretty nifty. If somebody was going to get into horseback riding, what is the first step that you would recommend for them to do? find someone like near them that likes to teach lessons and I would say that that is probably your best bet because you can go and take lessons and spend like 30 50 bucks on like an hour long lesson and you don't have to buy all the stuff like people look at horses and they're like oh that horse isn't that expensive buying the horse is the cheapest part I promise you because let's see so I've got a horse right now that I bought her pretty cheap and I mean she's a nice horse but like she was ten thousand dollars to buy her and that was the cheapest part of owning her can you elaborate on that because of course you got to house them feed them train them and all that kind of stuff do you mind sharing what kind of money you have to put up in order to get into something like this like her I do not house her but I keep her in training and training's a thousand dollars a month I that includes all of her feed and stuff but I also have to pay for like her feet to be taken care of which is like every four to six weeks and that just honestly depends on what you get done with them like right now she's just being trained so that's about 50 bucks every four to six weeks she was she used to have shoes on her feet so that was like 150 bucks every four to six weeks. I mean, that's that's about the same price as what women get their pedicures and, and nails done. Pedicures <laughs> like $50. <laughs>
I'm not that spooled as my horses are. But you've got that. I mean, you have to buy all of your tech then. I mean, I would I have a truck and trailer. We heaven knows how expensive that trucks are and trailers on top of that. Oh my goodness. People will spend like hundreds of thousands of dollars on like living quarters trailers. That's why you always hear that horse farmers are the, the richest farmers out there. <laughs> they're the poorest ones. They <laughs> act like they're the richest ones. That's all. No horse people are rich, I promise you. That is one of the cool things though, honestly, like not to derail this, but like that's one of the things like I've always loved cow horses because I like cows and I like horses. So best of both worlds. But one of the really cool things like, so if you go to like a lot of shows, you kind of get like the general gist of the population that so shows that discipline. I've always thought that one of the coolest things is like if you go to a cutting show and you talk to most of the like non-pros, so the people that don't train their own horses, they keep them with someone else, they spend all this money on this, and they really just enjoy the sport and enjoy the company. So many of them are entrepreneurs, like they've started their own business, they run their own business, or like they're running some aspect of a business now on their own, which is to me super cool because it's a lot of very intelligent people and very deep thinkers. So it's cool that they've, it's kind of come together as that. And I know that there's entrepreneurs in other disciplines, but I mean, the wide majority, that's how they are. Like, it's just, it's a cool dynamic to it, but it definitely does lead to though, that you need a lot of money to be able to do it. That's why you have people like me who I'm my job title at shows is that I'm a loper. So I get horses ready for other people to show. So I lope horses around in circles to go and get them ready to show for these people to go and ride. Because a lot of people that show cutting horses can't like ride a stick pony. So we help them out. So you just make them look good. Exactly. That's my job. I, I always like to word it as that I help people achieve their dreams. Can you explain the function of a horseshoe? Because you look out in the wild and there's still wild horses roaming around out there and they don't have any shoes. So why do you have to put shoes on horses? So like my three-year-old right now, we moved her from South Carolina to Alabama. They have gravel in Alabama. South Carolina is all sand. So her feet got chipped up and she got sore and she was a prima donna about it. So we put shoes on her because it creates more of a barrier. They can do a lot of stuff with shoes, but hers were just general shoes to get her feet up off the ground. Let her feet grow back out and not be chipped up and nasty and making her sore. That's the general reasoning is to hold the hoof together. I totally feel for it because I can't go out on the gravel road and walk barefoot. It like bruises their feet kind of similar <laughs> to what it would do to us if we walked out on gravel. Have you ever been to any of the horse races that comprise the Triple Crown? So that'd be what the Kentucky Derby, the Belmont Stakes, or the Preakness? Let's go. I've got tons of friends that live like right down from where it's held. And that's what they have people stay at their houses every single year. They're like, come on and do it. And I was finally going to do it this last year. And then they didn't let fans go. No, seriously, though, if you ever do it, I would totally love to have a friend down there go and do it because none of my friends seem to care about it I, I just want to wear a crazy suit that's the funnest part like I want one of the crazy hats like I went and worked for someone who they live in Vine Grove Kentucky which is not very far from there but they had a bunch of people stay at their house they had like this plethora of hats that I mean were wild it was so funny to look through all of them and that's what they said that every year that people like 
because they wear different hats for different days to go with different colored outfits. You can't wear the same thing two days in a row. What the heck? Exactly. So that's what they had, like, this deal, though, that if you came and you contributed a hat to, like, the collection, then you could borrow a hat out of the collection for every day. Kyle, you in? You coming with? I'm down. That sounds like a lot of fun. Bet on your favorite named horse. Yes. They actually, so I had a group of friends go two years ago now, and there's at the Derby, they do, it's called Dawn at the Downs, I think, was what it was called. But it's like you go in the morning, like while they're like exercising all the horses and you're like right on the track, no matter where your seats were, you're right on the track. They serve breakfast. They serve Bloody Marys and mimosas. And that like, sounds awesome. Yeah. Like the jockeys will come up and let you like pet on the horses and tell you about them and such. Like it sounded awesome. Like they said that that was better than any part of their trip was being at that derby at the Downs or Dawn at the Downs. Something like that. But yeah, you get my gist. But that sounded so cool. It's crazy how small those jockeys are. I mean, it makes sense because the smaller you are, the faster the horse can run. But, you know, those guys are like 100 pounds. They're tiny. Like, I don't know. I've gone to like some other races. I've just never been to any of those big ones. But yeah, they are like itty bitty people. (laughs) I should have went to Belmont Stakes when I lived in Nashville. I mean, it was like an hour and 20 minute drive, but I never went. It was always a big thing. Where is the Preakness then? Is it in, I want to say it's in Maryland, but I'm not 100% sure. That sounds about right. We can run with that. All right, Alexis, to kind of put a whole bow on this episode, since we're coming towards the end of time here, if you had a horse that you were going to put into the Kentucky Derby, what would you name him? I don't know. That's a really good one. I feel like we try to think of horses' names all the time. Like, we've got a really cool horse right now. His name is Generator, and his barn name is Fridge. And uh, it's perfect because he's built like a refrigerator. I don't know, though. I feel like I hear cool horse names all the time. But whenever I have to think of one myself, then I'm like, mind blank. Can't you think of anything? On the spot. I know. I know that there's a horse right now that I look like the horse. His name is Bad and Bougie. I don't know. There's so many good horse names, though. Or how about one of your favorites from history or one that you've heard? I guess one of my favorite horses right now that we have showing her name is Billy Idol. I've always liked the horse War Emblem and uh, Man of War. Those are my two favorites. I don't know. There's so many. Like, it's fun, honestly, to go to horse shows where they, like, announce all the horses' names. Like, I've got a friend, too, that she owns a horse whose name is Ice Cream. Like, that's it. No other words. Just Ice Cream. You never know. I've got a little filly right now that her name is Dance in the Mirror, and we call her Martini. Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) All right. With that, Alexis, thanks for coming on and taking your time to explain the wide world of equestrianism to us. Y'all have a good evening. Thanks. All right, Josh. So you just heard Alexis describe all things horses to you. What are you thinking? Oh, man. I definitely will say it opened my eyes a little bit to, you know, one being a family friend that she was even in the field me personally, I think it's fascinating, like the culture, the the skill set that you have to have in order to do something like this, not only to, to do it, but then also make money at it, too. Like, that's pretty incredible, I think, you know, it's a skill that I think a lot of people have lost, you know, throughout time and modernization. Personally, I think I would ride horses. I don't know if I would ever wrangle them or, you know, go through the training process. 
like we kind of discussed in the episode, horse training, everything kind of behind horses, in my opinion, is a luxury sport dash hobby dash way of living, I guess. So I just don't see myself getting into it now and going to like horse races and, and stuff. Sure. Rodeos. I'm all about it. I think they're a good time. A lot of fun, but I'll leave the wrangling to the professionals like Alexis. <laughs> what about you, man? What do you think? Yeah. Like I was saying in the middle of the podcast there, I don't really trust anything that's bigger than me. So if I do get into some farming kind of thing, Probably have to start with something like cheap or or something a little smaller. A Shetland pony, maybe. Yeah, maybe something like that. I'm sure my daughter is going to want a pony at some point. She's only one, so. That is a classic thing that we didn't really talk about in the episode. Where does it, I wonder where it comes from. Like, every little girl growing up wants a pony or a horse when they're growing up. And no one has horses or like, I'm sure... You know, the majority of the parents out there don't have experience with horses. So it's like, besides the actual look of them, that's got to be the only thing I can think of because there's not a lot of input elsewhere to create the fascination with them, in my opinion. They are they are very majestic and cool looking animals, though, and they're, you know, trainable. So, well, plus they're so dang expensive, which is kind of probably the most prohibitive thing and you kind of need some land which is also expensive and then like she said you have to get a truck and a trailer to cart them around so you know the price of trucks nowadays is just absolutely insane so by the time you're all said and done you've got definitely probably a hundred grand plus in trying to get one of these things yeah if you're if you're if you're on the cheap side yeah (laughs) Right. And then I'm sure you can go up into the millions if you find like a really nice horse, you know, that's thoroughbred or even one of these um, other ones that that do well in the shows, you know. So I guess it it all depends what you're trying to do. Uh, I think what I would do is go off Alexis's uh, recommendation. And if I wanted to learn more about riding or get into it a little bit, go to a, a rancher and see if they have lessons available. It's a heck of a lot cheaper. And though, you know, it might cost a little bit of money, it's definitely not the same as owning and maintaining it all for yourself. That's for sure. Yep. And I agree with everything you said. The rodeo and the horse racing and everything like that. Really cool. I'll be a spectator, though. I'm not I don't think I'm going to uh, get on one of these guys and yeehaw. Right. I guess another thing that horses and the whole culture has going on for it is it's it's kind of another American pastime. I know we've talked about that kind of before being in the baseball sports scene. And I, I would put horse racing kind of in the same category there. I know obviously they do it all over the world. You know, Spain's pretty big for it, if, if I remember correctly. But, you know, I would love to go to the Derby. It's always been like a, like a goal of mine to make it down to. Uh, so I definitely want to partake in the, in the traditions of, watching horse racing are you gonna get yourself a belt buckle no but maybe a 10 gallon hat i wonder why they call them a 10 gallon hat can you really fit 10 gallons in there probably not that's a myth i don't think so but i don't know maybe someone can correct us i think that's just a whoa that's a that's a really big freaking hat man or gal i some of the some of the gals hats are 
just as crazy like those giant brims with all the fancy like fuzzy stuff or feathers and you know colors and stuff they they get pretty creative so that's cool all right so to wrap things up scale to one to ten participation i'm gonna give it a one unless i got dared to do a bull ride and then i probably wouldn't do it in a professional setting maybe in a backwoods redneck kind of fashion so i'm gonna give it a a scale of one saying that it's not impossible but highly unlikely i'd rather go to the event how about you? I'll give it a three because I could see something or see myself doing something like she described, like on her Wyoming trip, something like that I could probably handle. But anything more fast paced and wild than that, I'm, I'm probably out. But like I said, I enjoyed learning about it. Same here. Well, we want to take this time to thank you guys for listening to our podcast. Make sure to follow us on our social media platforms. You can find us on facebook and through listening you can find us on spotify apple podcast and a lot of your other listening applications thanks for tuning in